Hey everybody, welcome to the guest segment of the Common Sense Show. Thanks so much for staying with us through the intro. We have a terrific segment coming up for you with Jeffrey Sisk. And we're going to be talking about communication, censorship, people who want to take away your voice. And you probably have heard new executive order by Biden basically wants to criminalize you as being a Russian for criticizing his administration. And that subjects you to asset forfeiture. And uh, this is why I think Jeffrey Sis's work is so important. Before we join Jeffrey, we've got to pay a couple of bills really quickly here. Ladies and gentlemen, you got Bill Gates taking over America's farmland. You've got all the food inflation that's going on, the food supply chain that continues to be a problem. I I'm telling you, if you're not stacked up on food, you are going to live to regret the day. And it's not fear-mongering. It's just absolute good common sense. Go to preparewithdave.com, and you'll see you get 25-year shelf life 2000 calories per day it's restaurant quality and there's specials available right now that's preparewithdave.com also ladies and gentlemen uh, we are really pushing sat phones because when the takedown comes for america they're going to try to take down as much as they can with communications sat phones is one of the things they're going to have a hard time touching so i'm going to leave you with a number and you can call and do the investigation i did and you're going to say among other things, this is something that everyone should be doing. The number, 855-980-5830. That's 855-980-5830. Tell the people that Dave Hodges said to call because I'm also a customer. Um, we have had uh, Jeffrey Sisk on before on our TV show. And uh, thought it would be a good introduction because our TV audience has usually been with us for a very long time. They're very familiar with our work. A lot of advocates there, a lot of political activists, but we wanted to go more, more broad-based in this interview because right now, ladies and gentlemen, communication, as I just indicated, is in dire jeopardy in this country. And what you say and what you print and what you communicate electronically can be used against you. And Jeffrey's at the forefront of trying to fix that problem. Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on the Common Sense Show on our radio side. Our podcast side, it's always good to talk to you. Well, thank you, Dave. It's a joy to be here today and uh, certainly always enjoy being on the Common Sense Show. So, um, and especially on talking about fine.com, I think it's um, one of the most important things going on in America. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, for someone who may not be familiar with you, can you give people just kind of a, a small rundown on your, your background and, and how you got to where you are today and what you're trying to accomplish? Well, you have to go back in my history quite a bit to uh, to get to the start of this. But back in the 80s, actually, I'm dating myself a bit. Um, I started learning programming languages for computers for no apparent reason other than I wanted to know them. Um, as we headed into the 90s, the Internet started. Um, I started learning web languages. And by the end of the 90s, I started a website called Physician Work. And it was a leading brand. I wrote all the software. Um, you know, did all the marketing and branding and all those things. Um, it led its niche market for about 11, 12 years. Um, physician work as a job site for doctors had about 80, 90,000 jobs online. Um, at its peak, um, company was very successful, you know, operated a 68% profit margin. And I came out of that and I merged in a merger deal in 2011 um, I merged into the public company that at the time, you know, owned the find.com domain name. 
and that started me on a 10-year journey. Uh, they had me researching back then um, ideas for search um, and other things, you know, possibly to do with the fine domain. And so what happened to me is in 2013, when Ed Snowden told the world that we're all getting spied on, um, you know, this frustrated me as an American. So, you know, me, one man band back then, I started a search engine called Zeekly. Um, and Zeekly got very big, very fast. Um, and about three or four months into that, um, I don't know how much your audience has followed the story of Parler, but I'll tell you what happened to me back then. Um, I had a vice president of one of the largest internet providers in the country um, ultimately tell me that the Zeekly site was being blocked at the internet router switch points, um, which is the actual backbone of the internet. And uh, at about the same time, three or four months in, all the ad networks, including you know Google that has the biggest, just suddenly demonetized the site for no reason, never gave an explanation. And uh, it sort of killed that effort. Um, so I think what happened to Zeekly, you know, back then they were kind of hiding about it. Um, you know, what we saw happen in January to Parler, they did very publicly where you saw Google and Apple uh, and Amazon absolutely take down a company that had investors. Um, you know, they have employees. You know, it was a very astonishing thing to see this go on. So, well, Jeffrey, let me ask you this. How, how is that not antitrust and actionable? Well, I think it is actionable. And I, I really, you know, we've been so busy working on find.com in the last three months. I'm not sure where it's at, but I believe Parler filed an antitrust suit um, against those companies. Now, how that's progressed through the courts, I do not know. You know, some of you, you may know. Um, but I, I think, you know, anytime you see companies taking out a competitor uh, for any reason whatsoever, um, and those guys do have pretty much you know, a monopoly lock on your cell phones and what apps get on there. So, um, you know, I think it's a very frightening place to be as a, as a country. And um, what they didn't like is they wanted Parler to censor off, you know, content that they didn't like, you know, and it was one of those ultimatums, you either do this or we'll take you off, you know, take you off the, the app stores. And that's exactly what they did. And uh, Amazon followed up and removed their web server, shut their web servers down. Um, so, I mean, it's a very scary place to be as a country. Um, you know, all of this history that I've got, you know, that has gone into, um, you know, building something like find.com for, for those out there that don't know what we're doing, we're building a new search and social media application that is going to have all the features of Google, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, but under one app. So you'll have one sign in. There'll be an amazing search engine. I can tell you about some of the technology here in a minute. Um, it'll have a social network like Facebook. Um, Find Creators is our video posting site that'll have live streaming, um, but a lot of it, you know, and video posting, and that's, you know, a lot of expanded features. And then Find Echo would be our product similar to Twitter, you know, for, you know, uh, public messaging. So this is going to be a very powerful app. And, you know, what you've got behind that, Dave, is our commitment that we're not going to censor people. Um, in other words, we're going to protect the First Amendment. Um, it's an American value handed down to us by our founding fathers. Um, so we will respect your um, constitutionally protected free speech, respect freedom of the press, 
and we're also going to respect, you know, protecting your privacy. All those things are covered in our Bill of Rights, and they're very important to us. That's uh, almost too good to be true. Is is this just reactionary to Parler, and you're just saying, hey, something needs to happen, and that, that that's where what was the wellspring of this idea? You know, actually, I've had this idea for several years, and you know, I put this together um, in the public company that owned it. Um, you know, we put a package together on this about four years ago. And I tell you what, Dave, when, you, when we went and sat and talked to investors at the time, um, they would look at us like we're crazy of, you know, why would you want to build something that's going up against, you know, big known Internet properties? You know, they didn't see the, the reason you would do that. Um, so what happened is we went through this earthquake of an election. Uh, we've watched a lot of the country get censored this last year. Um, you know, and people are frustrated about that. And then you had this earthquake of an election. And, you know, I actually made the decision in mid-November that I was going to spend this year. My wife and I talked it through, and I was going to build this app, you know, finally. And, uh, you know, not not knowing what would happen going into the beginning of the year, what would happen with Parler, um, you know, with this election, it just happened to time out that way. But this is a decision I made actually about six months ago. Wow, this is just an amazing endeavor. Now, I, I, of course, I've got to ask this question, Jeffrey, and please forgive me, but um, I can't believe you're not meeting fierce resistance even in the early stages. You know, I don't, I don't think we're really on the radar until the platform launches. Um, you know, I would think these platforms are certainly aware. You know, we've been very public about, you know, what we're doing. Um, you know, we are taking, you know, precautions and safeguards, which means we're not building out any of our server infrastructure to be tied to any of these companies. Um, you know, so there'll be no fear that we can get shut down. Um, you know, and we'll have redundancy in the network, you know, mirrored data centers, um, you know. So, I mean, we're taking precautions like, you know, maybe they might at some point. Um, you know, I think they've, they've gone to a lot of effort to control the message, obviously. Um, and they've effectively, you know, like you were alluding to at the beginning of this, you know, they've shut down uh, any message that they don't want out there. And, and you're talking about a collusion between the big six media companies and all of Silicon Valley, I don't know what people's motivations are for latching on to politics, but I can say this, I think digital town square platforms like a Facebook, like um, you know, a search engine like Google, um, I, I don't think that they should be political in any way. I think you should be providing an equal voice to everybody as long as it's constitutionally protected free speech. Um, and that we shouldn't be, you know, censoring out those messages. I think, you know, as long as it's for, you know, protected free speech, you know, I don't know why these companies would go down the road of, you know, picking who gets to be heard. But, Jeffrey, but it's, it's even gone, worse. It's gone beyond that. I, I watched an interview with Dana White, the owner of UFC, you know, Ultimate Cage Fighting, and he's getting attacked because he won't take on social justice causes. He says, this is just sports. We're not going to do politics here. And they're going after him with with a, a just venomous attacks. Absolutely, we are. Um, 
we are in this thing called cancel culture. So, you know, I'll tell you at Find, our our mission here is to cancel the cancel culture, you know, and give people back their give their voice back to them. I like that. Um, you know, some of this is just ridiculous, right? That you would try and shut down, you know, free thought, free expression. You know, um, this sounds a little bit more like the book 1984 for those of you out there that have read George Orwell. Um, I know we had to read it in our age, our era, uh, Dave, when we were in high school. Yes, I did. Uh, but we're living through 1984, you know, in a big way with with Big Brother. Um, and it's a very frightening place to be. I never thought we would see this in America. What do you think their purpose, ultimate goal is for the shutdown of sharing of information with one among the other? I mean, they don't want us talking to each other. That's the thing that I find surprising. But what do you think they're, what's really motivating them at the core level? You know, you have to sort of look at what they're doing. I've given this a lot of thought. Um, I think on a surface level, um, I think this started because people wanted political power, you know, to protect their corporate interests. So I think you see a certain amount of that. So you'll see a company... You know, a, a you know multi-billion-dollar internet company like a Google or Facebook, you know, they're spreading a lot of money around D.C. As that influence has grown, you've seen you know people leaving those companies and going into government. Um, so I think some of that was, um, you know, political goals to hey, let's let's get connected up to one side or the other, you know, and and support them, and then we get what we want when we want to do our things. But then along with that, you're seeing them really shut down certain messaging, and it, it makes you wonder, were they in alignment with these political goals for America? Um, because this is how I feel about it. We have a Constitution. We have a Bill of Rights. As Americans, we should be supporting those things. Um, like I said, these free speech platform or these digital town square platforms should be honoring those American values. So to me, you know, even if you're currying favor with the political class, which is what these companies have been doing, at the core of it, they should still support American values. And, and honestly, you know, we should then be projecting those out into the world. We should be leading. And, uh, you know, sadly, these companies out of Silicon Valley are, you know, they pulled that back and they're, they're actually following the lead of places like China and Dubai and, you know, places where they're, you know, where they're censoring people. Um, so it's very sad to see, you know, we could be leading the world in these areas and we're actually following. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's kind of like we're reinventing the old Soviet empire. Have you had any thoughts about that? Well, I think right now, if you look at the, uh, the, the information lock on all of the, the media and the big platforms, um, I, I think, I mean, I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts on it. I think we're very close to totalitarianism right now in our, um, you know, in our speech in America. Um, what that means is, uh, you know, pretty much you're seeing the conservative side, you know, people that love our country and our values and our constitutions we're hearing their voices get minimized um, while we're seeing the cancel culture and, and all this stuff get prime time, um, you know, play in the media. I tell you what, people ask me, you know, different times, you know, um, you know, talking about China, why 1.4 billion people don't rise up 
and overthrow the sliver of people that run the communist government. The reason is that more than half the population believes all the propaganda that's in their media and internet. So when we go down a similar path, it's, it's, it, that's what happens to our population. They start getting propaganda. Unfortunately, a large segment of the population starts to believe that propaganda. Um, and that's how we get led down a road that will ultimately lead to the destruction of our country as we know it, right? It's a very scary place to be. You know, I'm, the abuse is so horrific in China, even though we don't hear about the human rights abuses anymore. I, I just am shocked that that many people in China would still hold on to what they're being told is fact. That, that, that's surprising to me. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I will say, if you look at you know what China's influence has done in America, they have bought into a lot of these big media companies and internet companies, and you've watched over, especially over the last decade or two, um, the, all the coverage has stopped, you know, of the human rights abuses. You know, this stuff got used to be, you know, used to be uh, truthfully told in our media, and um, as they've gotten financially entangled with our uh, with our American companies and our our media and internet, um, that has been dialed back. We're not even getting any more, um, you know, the abuses in China. I mean, so you can imagine what the Chinese people are getting, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I think there's no question about that. Um, but I wonder too. There comes a saturation point too. Um, where you're getting the same thing over and over, and pretty soon it starts to have a reverse effect. I'm, I'm, let me tell you where I'm seeing that right now in American society. One of the biggest changes in the communications I get from my audience is from black Americans who are saying, I'm not on this democratic plantation. I'm sick of this crap. White people don't hate me. I'm treated with respect by overwhelming amounts of people in general. I'm sick of the divisiveness. That kind of summarizes a lot of the communication I'm getting now from black Americans. Well, I'll tell you what I think happened there. Um, we watched over the four years of Donald Trump, somebody who actually, um, through HHS and, and you know various programs, uh, you know, really reach out um, to you know, African American communities, yes. um, help help them you know become economically better. You know, uh, incomes went up. Um, we saw the lowest unemployment in the history of our country, not only with African Americans but any group you can put out there. Um, just about women, um, African Americans, Asian Americans, all of these subgroups in America, Hispanic Americans. They all had record, record success because of Donald Trump. So I think what happened was you watched a, a Republican Party become more of a populist party of people that loved America, loved American values. They saw what this president did, you know, regardless of you know, what some people felt about his divisiveness with Twitter. I mean, hey, the man's not a politician, and everybody knows that. Um, but what he did, you know, for the people of this country, it has drawn in a lot of people that now understand, um, you know, this is what the difference is when somebody cares about me that's at the top of our government. So I think that's probably why you're seeing that. I yeah. think that resonated with people, and that showed up in the voting. 
Yeah, except I almost have to say what voting. Um, that, that's another thing, too. And, and uh, here's what concerns me. Maricopa County, I live in the rural northern end of Maricopa County. And so, as you know, we're going through an audit. And uh, I've been following people like Liz Harris and uh, some of our local politicians who are really earnestly trying to get to the truth. And they have found a, m a number of things, according to the people I'm talking to behind the scenes, and enough to overturn the election. But the problem is, Jeffrey, it's just kind of like implementing a communication system like you're doing, um, exposing fraud. When there's no rule of law, how do we make any progress? Well, I, I think one of two things is going to happen here. Uh, you know, when they finish this, there's, a, there's an honest effort happening in Maricopa County. Um, there's people involved in that that are conservative and liberal and libertarian. You know, all sides of the aisle are involved in this audit. And there's, there's one of two outcomes. One outcome is nothing to see here. There was no election fraud. Um, everything worked the way it was supposed to. The other outcome is there was massive fraud here. It's enough to overturn the election. I think that information will get out there, Dave. And I think what would happen is that would boom across this country and you would see the political will with these state legislatures in these other states to finally pursue, you know, once, once that was established, if that's what happens, to pursue finding out what happened in their states. So one of those two is gonna happen. I tend to think it's going to be the latter, you know, based on, you know, so much evidence that's come out over the last few months, um, you know, but we'll await the outcome. I don't know how many days before they're done. Maybe you can shed some light on that. But I think what's happening in Maricopa is very important. Um, and I think that outcome is, is going to, um, it'll change the direction of the country one way or the other. Well, there's also something going on in California that no one's even talking about. I'm good friends with Paul Preston, the president of the 51st State Movement out there. Uh, and we were talking again last night, and they've got two lawsuits right now. In fact, Alex Padilla just got served yesterday. And these lawsuits have to do with negating California's 55 electoral votes based on illegal bo uh, ballot formation. In other words, the presentation of the ballot was illegal and didn't conform to California law. And if you get a judge that's halfway honest, they're going to win the case and California's electoral votes are going to be thrown out. And we're not hearing a word about this anywhere outside of the 51st state movement that's suing. Yeah, and there's also, um, you know, the Anarum County case that depending on uh, what happens there, they're making some positive ground. And I think that's going to bleed over into this Georgia case. So... You know, I think that there is a there is a huge possibility um, that we're going to have some pretty major evidence come out over the next 30, 60 days. I'm not sure what the country does with it when it gets out there, but I'm you mm -hmm. know I don't know about you, but I'm pretty confident that's the information that's coming, is that we did have some very very serious problems with the, you know, with the 2020 election. Oh, I think I, I would, I think I think when you say problems, you're being very nice. I think we're just talking about absolute downright cheating, um, willful, intentional, and criminal. And uh, in fact, you know, the, the thing is, is I've been following Arizona elections where I live for quite some time. 
And uh, I remember when I first moved here, I met a lady who was running for office, and she said, Hi, Dave, welcome to Arizona. We have the best politicians money can buy. And that's true. We had complicit uh, participation in voter fraud here from the sheriff of Maricopa County, from the governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey, from his cabinet. I mean, the, the Democrats in the state Senate and state House, uh, and, and it's all provable. I mean, that's that's the thing that, that that's just concerning to me. There, there was a scene that this kind of illustrates um, the mentality. Uh, Kelly Townsend, who's one of our state senators, and she's really at the forefront of, of this audit, and she's speaking about, no, we're not going to participate in any legislation that bypasses the audit and ignores what we find here. And in the background behind her, with someone who is the sponsor of a bill to move on, forget the audit. We're, we're not going to allow any kind of election reform. And she's in the in, in the background making faces behind Senator Townsend. And this is in the media. Right. I, I mean, this is the kind of crap we're dealing with. I mean, 10-year-old and but criminal mentality. Um, so I want to get to uh, what you're doing here and what you're going to accomplish. We kind of alluded to it, but I really want to jump in to the middle of it because we wouldn't be where we are right now if the American people really knew what was going on. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And um, I'll tell you, there's a, uh, there's a major university study. Um, we, we, you'd have to look it up uh, as to where that is, but it was at a liberal university um, that is a search engine that just in the manipulation of search results, <clears throat> the Google skewed 15 million votes to towards Joe Biden in the 2020 election. Then what we saw was just a wholesale uh, blocking of things like the Hunter Biden notebook, you know, laptop story um, right before the election. It was a truthful story. Um, you know, here you had one of the oldest newspapers, if not the oldest newspapers in America, um, very creditable journalism put the story out. And they got thrown off the sites like Twitter and Facebook with the story. Um, so all of these things had an effect. And, you know, so what we're talking about is you've got social media and search companies out of Silicon Valley that are they're fixing the game now. And they're making sure uh, that the American people only see what these guys want them to see to achieve a political outcome. And that's why I'm saying as a country, we cannot allow our digital town square public platforms to be political. Um, this is the outcome. Um, take hydroxychloroquine, for example. Um, this got very politicized. Um, Facebook and Twitter removed the information about hydroxychloroquine a year ago uh, because Trump, Donald Trump mentioned it. And what did we find out? We had, I think it's 201 studies now that are all assembled on one website about eight weeks ago, Facebook, these companies had to issue a retraction that they were wrong. Um, and what had happened was medical doctors went on their sites and posted video that hydroxychloroquine was curing their patients and they censored it off the internet. Well, how bad is that when you, at the time when this, when they retracted this 440,000 Americans had died. So, um, the study said that 73% of people that took hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and Zethromax early, it cured them. So does that mean that 330,000 people would not be dead now? So this is the danger we have when you have 
companies deciding for you what you get to see and hear. So our thing at Find is we're bringing you back truly organic search, right? And we're not going to censor it or hide things or skew it so you don't see all the information, right? And the same thing on our social media parts of our platform. We're not going to censor those voices out, um, you know, any more than we would go into a bar and put duct tape over the three people we don't like what they're saying. I mean, truthfully, if you honor and support free speech, you should be willing to stand with anybody that you completely disagree with and hand in hand stand up and support their free speech, right? So we have to be committed to this because when we get the thought police involved, they skew elections, people die, uh, scientific advancement stops. Um, and I'll tell you this, when, when users are having their content banned or being ba they're being banned off of platforms, you're now also preventing that segment of our society to participate in the 21st century digital economy. And small Benton, small town business USA has moved from Main Street, you know, onto the internet in many ways. So when you're shutting down those people, um, you're basically telling the conservative half of the country that you don't agree with their positions that we're not gonna let you be economically successful either. So this is a much deeper problem than just people's content being being taken down. What you said is so insightful, and it, it, it's something I noticed very early on in the lockdowns, and you just alluded to it, and I want you to tie in your communication efforts here to my question here, and it's this. When we had the lockdowns, you had the essential businesses, the box stores that made record profits, and other stores that were doing some of the work the box stores do, so they should have been allowed to keep in business, but they weren't. They were eliminated. Biden's tax policies, I just read an analysis, is going to totally eviscerate small business. And the big corporations are the ones that endorse uh, any fight against meaningful election reform, you know, constitutional liberties, just total suppression of our freedoms here. Um, it looks like we're eliminating small business entirely in favor of big business. Does this tie into your communication efforts? Is this some kind of overall plot in your mind? Well, I'll put it this way. We know that um, <clears throat> in a very unprecedented way, in this last election cycle, the Democrat Party fully embraced socialism, communism um, as our future. You know, they want health care for all. You know, I mean, this is the uh, this is the road that they're leading America down. They're not hiding that. Um, they're trying to teach, you know, a, a whole generation of American children coming along, you know, for the last two or three generations that this is a good path, which, you know, if, if you don't know this, if you're out there and listening to this, if you just look at history, communism, communism has failed every time it's been tried in the history of the world. It always leads to destruction, and your country ends up like uh, Venezuela, where people are in food lines, you know, and nobody has anything anymore. So you don't want to lose your freedom. Um, but it looks like to me, Dave, that um, that's exactly what was going on. When I look at what happened over this last year over COVID, you're 100% right. Um, the big box stores, you know, got to provide all those essential goods. A lot of small businesses, you know, were told they weren't allowed to open up their doors that were doing exactly the same type of things. Um, and if you look at the decimation over the last year, we lost a huge segment of our small businesses. 
I don't know how many. Um, I've heard the number, you know, 50%. Yeah. I don't know what the accurate number is. I, I think you're in the ballpark um, so, there, clearly. Yeah. So we're heading now into this, uh, you know, get the rest of them with tax policy. And, and then they're getting the population used to getting payments from government. Do you see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. I do. So you get rid of them being, you know, successful, entrepreneurial-minded people, get them stuck on government payments, no resources really to go out and start something new, and now you've now you've got, you know, we've already got an oligarchy in America. We all know that, uh, which is a very wealthy political class, and we had a middle class, and then, um, and so I think that's being eliminated, and they're trying to put everybody you know, into that situation where it it looks like it might look, say, somewhere like the Soviet Union, right? Um, so it's, um, you know, it's a pretty scary place to be. And, uh, do you know, is it a plot? Well, these are the policies these guys have publicly supported. Um, so, I mean, the information is publicly available. This is what they've done. This is what they've supported. Um, I don't think that makes it some sort of a conspiracy plot when they're doing it out in the open. No, it is not a conspiracy plot. They're fully and freely admitting what's happening here. There's an absolutely no question about that. Um, when when we take a look at, at your efforts, I want to tie this into another concept too, and that's artificial intelligence. And and what I'm seeing increasingly now is a lot of this control is being handed over to AI. And uh, without any kind of human oversight, it's like AI is writing the programs for themselves now. And and so, uh, how does this factor in, and does it affect what you're doing? And do you think you're going to get AI resistance from your efforts and what you're trying to do? Let's go ahead and address the AI issue. Well, here, here's what I think is is happening there. There's a word that I absolutely despise, and it's algorithm. And you know, when the internet was founded, we all know this, it was organic. Um, your search results were organic. You know, pages were indexed based on their popularity and keywords. Um, you know, so you got the raw organic pages as they were indexed. They, that There was no algorithm deciding what you saw. Um, in the same way on social media, when you posted something, it would quote unquote go viral because organically people um, would like or dislike things, and the good would rise to the top that people liked. It was not being affected by the algorithms that these companies had put in place. And what they've done is basically they put in place filters with these algorithms that can run automatically with AI um, that, you know, pretty much they can filter out any message that they don't ever want to see, you know, get spread out there. Um, I'll give you another good example of how they've shut it down. Um, back in 2017, Facebook on purpose broke Facebook groups. Um, and if you were around back then and were a member of a church or a PTA or, you know, a book club or anything else that had a group on Facebook, it used to be you could set up a group, say if you owned the book club, people could sign up voluntarily to your Facebook group. And then when you had an event or you needed to get a message out to your group, you know, you could send it out and it went to everybody in the group. It was a priority message. And if you posted something, you know, on the group page, everybody got it. They broke this on purpose. And if you look at Facebook support forums in 2017, people were furious because for a decade or more, Facebook had led them to groups 
um, had them bring all their friends and church members and everybody to these groups, and then they broke it. Well, why did they break it? I mean, that entire year, Dave, in a very crazy way, Mark Zuckerberg traveled the U.S. speaking about building community with Facebook groups. Now, I knew it was broken. I've been, re- you know, I was reading their support forums. Thousands of organizations were begging them to fix it, and they never did. Now, why would they do that? I mean, were they worried about people organizing on that level? And I, I just don't know. <clears throat> I know in our platform and our social network, because we'll have our, our part of the platform, of our platform is called Find Social, will be just like Facebook. Um, the difference is it will not have algorithms running. Things will go viral based on you know the public liking them. And we're fixing the group feature, right? So if you're one of those clubs or organizations that had this problem, you're going to be able to come to our groups, you know, and, and suddenly it's going to work like it used to. Um, but I don't know why they did that, Dave. But, you know, that's, you know, that's part of that effort. I mean, when you step back and look at all this, the skewing of search results with AI and algorithms, the, you know, the censoring of, of voices on sites like Twitter and Facebook with algorithms, and then breaking something like groups where people can't communicate like they used to be able to and organize. You know, it, it all looks very, you know, it, it looks like a strategy to me. I don't know about you, but no, I mean, you, it seems you, pretty you nailed it. You are nailing yeah. it right here. When you, <clears throat> excuse me, when you look at the American Revolution and really what got it off the ground, it started in the churches and the taverns, and Facebook was becoming a tavern, and they could not have people like us congregating. Right, that's right. And I'll tell you how you get around that stuff. Um, I know for us, there's some organizations that um, have been doing business with churches for 50 years that have teams of people that are calling the pastors, telling them about find.com, telling them it's coming this summer, you know, letting them know there's going to be something that, you know, will, will not be censoring people, um, you know, from their freedom of speech. So truth starts getting out there again. That's, that's almost about the only way you can overcome it today. You know, yes, some of our message is being spread out there on, you know, social media, but the best places for us to talk about find.com and what's coming is on radio shows like yours and having real people that are calling, you know, uh, across the country in a mass way and letting people know this platform is coming. You know, it's going to be a, a great voice for truth in the land. Um, and, you know, I think that's what you have to do, right? And and pretty much these days, everybody markets everything through um, internet, right? So so we're, we're going to do that, you know, also like everybody else, but we're putting a lot of um, stock in radio shows like yours and actually having people calling real people. I think it's um, a fantastic idea. Well, let's break down some of the mechanics. What will your end product look like? All right, so let me give you a couple of examples <clears throat> because you can't just go out here and say, oh, we're a free speech platform and think you're going to get lo- to be loved by the public. You actually have to be bringing innovative, better software than what people have had. Um, everybody loved the magic of the Internet when it started. We loved search when it was organic. We loved social media when nobody was you know, banning people based on you know, messages they didn't like. So we like the magic of being able to connect to family and friends and people from high school, all those things. We just don't want it to be manipulated. 
So find is going to bring back organic search and social media. And we're going to do it in such a way that, um, you know, these companies in Silicon Valley in a lot of ways on their base platforms have not innovated well. So let me give you an example. Like on our search engine, we have a technology coming called multi-search. Um, the first thing you're going to notice when you see this is an explosion of information. I can't describe it well enough on the air, so I'm not going to try. I know the public will like that part of it. But here's what makes uh, find.com search unique. We're going to give the power of search back to the end users. Yes, you can just come and use our default search engine you know, and get great results, but you're also going to be able to make something called a find engine where you can quickly make a search results box or a collection of search results boxes. And let's say you like photography. You can say, I just want to get results from the six, seven, eight, nine photography sites that I like. So when you pull up your find engine and search that, you're going to only get sites from the photography sites you wanted. But here's what's magical about that, Dave. You're going to now be able to send that to somebody um, with an email or a text or post it on social media. Other people can now save your find engine. So we've just made search social, which is something Google's never accomplished. And we're doing that because we're handing you the full power of it and so you start thinking about what are the uses for that? Well, you know, a uh, school teacher, you know, tells their kids, here's the sites I want you to use for homework, shoots them out a find engine, they go home, they're using the official sites or companies around their products. So multi-search will be an innovation that I assure you once it launches, the public will never be happy going back to 10 curated search results on Google. And make no mistake, most of what you see on Google today above the fold, which means is on the screen when you initially go to their site on search results, today those are ads. Um, and the bad part about it is they're not even telling you that a lot of that's ads anymore. That's just what you see. It looks like organic results. That, you know, that's not right. So <clears throat> we're going to bring back organic internet, good search results. Any ads will be clearly marked like they were in the old days, you know, sponsored results. And then you'll have organic results, and then you'll have this power to manipulate your search and share these find engines. So that'll be amazing. So <clears throat> let's go another step. Our video platform like YouTube. I've been doing roundtables for years with guys that have you know a million followers on some of these platforms, and I've just asked them over the years, what would you guys want to see in a new platform? So in our video posting and live streaming video platform, it's this, we're gonna give those guys iOS and Android apps that they can sell in the app store that is just their channel. We're gonna give them web pages where they can post you know, pictures and content and text, other things you know, that go along with whatever their topic is if they so desire. We're gonna give them an online store where they can sell anything they want, or they can have the option to partner with us for products on demand, you know, like t-shirts or hats, you know, the easy stuff. We're going to give them Patreon built in, you know, that model, which means if you want to have monthly supporters, they'll be able to sign up right through your fine creators account and support you monthly. Or we'll also have the chat stream donation that they have now. And lastly, these guys have told me consistently through the years, they're building businesses, you know, by being a creator on a site like YouTube. So you respect them enough to give them 24 seven customer support so if they need anything, you know, around that channel, they're able to call, get a knowledgeable person. We've respected them. We can help them. And then you combine that with us, 
you know, sticking to the Bill of Rights, protecting people's constitutionally protected free speech, you know, not going that three strikes you're out, you know, the false copyright claims that will never do that to them. When you do all that, they've told me they will bring their millions of followers in big numbers. And what happens when that happens, Dave, they come into the platform maybe through fine creators because of the videos, but they see, hey, wow, they've got a great search engine. Hey, they have Facebook, you know, something better than Facebook. Look, they have Find Echo, you know, which is like Twitter. So I think we'll be pulling from all four of these platforms. There's a very powerful way for us to do that. Do you think you're going to be able to attract enough commercial interest or is big business going to be an impediment? Well, advertising follows traffic. And so, you know, I think for us, absolutely, our monetization model is, um, you know, the ad network. You know, we're building out an ad network that's just like Google AdSense and AdWords. Um, the ad agencies will follow you know, where, where they've got exposure. So as our numbers come up, you know, that's, that's an automatic, you know, that, yeah. that they'll do that. So, you know, that's absolutely a good model. It's a, it's an over 200 billion a year market. Um, a majority of that goes to Google. Um, and then it's shared by Twitter and Facebook and the other guys, but, um, that is definitely our, our model. And as our traffic comes out, the ad agencies will go where the people are, they want to sell products. You know, one of the things I've seen, though, but I don't think this is going to be a permanent impediment to what you're doing, but one of the things I'm seeing, like in professional sports, the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball are willing to lose 50% of their audience or greater to endorse these nonsense social justice and we're going to censor everything that we want to censor, and they're cutting their noses off despite their face, but there comes a time when their economic survival is going to be at stake, and I don't think they're going to be able to continue their noble programs, as they call them. Um, do you think that this mentality is going to kind of surface the same way in what you're doing? You know, I think they've gone after pretty hard, you know, these platforms that have, um, you know, been been very, very, very conservative. And I'm talking about, like, uh, people like Mike Lindell with the platform that right. he put out. And by the way, he told me before he launched that, that is just a place for him to be able to get videos out without being censored. You know, he told me, I'm, I know I'm not building something like Find, um, but, you know, there was a frustrated American doing well in business, you know, started something to try and, you know, tackle the problem. But, you know, you look at Parler, MeWe, and, you know, a lot of these sites, um, you know, absolutely cancel culture is gone for those guys. But I think for Find, our, our message and our mission is different which is to bring the world together. And, uh, you know, we just feel very strongly that we don't want to be political. Um, we want to provide a platform where people are free to express themselves. And we're not just focused on the United States of America. We're focused on that message around the world. You know, we have a beautiful societies of people around the globe. A lot of them have come here in the history of our country um, and have made America very unique as all these cultures have been absorbed in, um, you know, through legal immigration. And it's made America an amazing country, you know, the most powerful nation on earth. You know, when you combine the tools that our founding fathers gave to us to live in freedom. Um, so, you know, for us, you know, yes, we want to bring America together, but our bigger mission is to help bring the globe together. That's how we have, you know, good scientific advancement. 
um, understand each other worldwide, you know, when we're communicating openly and nobody's censoring what we're saying, you know, we build great international businesses. So I think our mission is a little different than some of these niche sites that have gone solely for, you know, um, just being a conservative voice. We just want to be non-political and provide a platform where everybody is free to express, you know, what's on their mind. I love it. Let's get a time frame. What what, what are we looking at here, um, optimally? Optimally, we're we are looking at launching Find Echo and um, Find Social, which are our Twitter and Facebook, um, sometime in early July, um, and then shortly thereafter, we would follow pretty soon <clears throat> with the video platform. Um, and the the longer track for us is the search component. But we are really completely reinventing Internet search. So that'll take us just a little bit longer. But certainly the entire platform will be up as we head into fall. Wow. That's quick. <laughs> That's, it is quick. But we need to. The I, I think the nature of our society and how quickly we're fragmenting, we need this. This, this could definitely be, I, I think, a unifying counterbalance. I almost think the other side is beginning to burn themselves out. And I, and I think that what you're doing is you're providing hope for people to hang on, come together, form a community, let the other side defeat itself while we maintain our values. I mean, that's kind of how I see what, you, what you're doing, at least in part. Yeah, and I think there's been a lot perpetuated on America, and here's what it is. Um, I, th- I think better than 90% of our country supports our American values and our Bill of Rights. Yes. There's been a little sliver over here, the the communists, socialists that you know linked up with the Democrats, and I think that sliver that's controlled the party, um, in mainstream media and Silicon Valley, they've tried to tell America that half the country doesn't believe in those values anymore. That's just simply not true. That's right. So when you put a platform out here for truth like Find.com, um, and that starts getting out there, and people realize, hey. You know, our country is still our country and people still support these values and want these values. I think that lie will go away pretty quickly. Um, So, you know, that's part of the mission. I think you're absolutely right. Well, as we approach launch times, keep us in mind, Jeffrey. I'd like to get you back on uh, so we can help uh, announce this and, and raise awareness, which we're certainly going to do. And to people who are listening today on radio, whether you're on Global Star or KYH, or our podcast services, this is the broadcast you want to disseminate. I'm serious, folks. This is something you really want to put out there. Jeffrey, it's always great to have you on, my friend, and, and I stand in awe of what you're doing, and I, and I really congratulate you, and and uh, look forward to watching this come to fruition. All right. Thanks, Dave. People can go to find.com, F-I-N-D.com, and I appreciate the support, and we'll look forward to launching this for the world this summer. Okay, Jeffrey. Jeffrey Sisk, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks.